Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to join in the, uh, I don't know, commiseration, whatever word you want to use to describe uh, what, you know, was a uh, disappointing end to the season. Uh, Niner Noise Associate Editor Peter Panacee. Peter, how are we doing, man? You know, I'm I'm actually doing just fine. If I, if I'm being brutally honest with you, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm doing okay. Um, one of the things that I've learned in this industry over the years is never tell fans how to fan, <laughs> and and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, someone might say, oh, well, you're not a real diehard 49ers fan if you're not taking Sunday's loss in the NFC Championship game all that seriously. Um, but it really didn't bother me. You know, it was kind of funny. My fiance texted me like minutes after the game. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'll be <laughs> fine okay. by tomorrow. She was like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm not saying that's for everybody. Like, right. if, um, if, you know, as long as you're not hurting yourself or hurting somebody else or going home and kicking the dog or something like that, like <laughs> you want to sit and cry in bed, take a day off work the next day. That's cool. You want to eat a gallon of ice cream. That's fine. Um, go to the gym, work it out. It's cool. <laughs> Whatever yeah. works, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just for me. Like I'm older now, definitely would have been the case in my early twenties, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm older now and, and had some life experiences that, just made me look back at this game and say, "Yeah, oh, that's a shame." Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm bummed, yeah. But I'll be, I'll be just fine tomorrow. Yeah, but I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm probably in the minority when it comes to that, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm like that. Like, it's definitely been one of those things where you, you see, especially if you're kind of watching, you know, sports television or listening or you know, looking at at different websites and stuff. You're just, you're, it's the, the friendly reminder. I was out somewhere this afternoon and I walked in, it was, and they were, it was, you know, highlights from the game last night. I was like, turn that off. I don't want to watch that. Like, you know, so, but you know, part of it was a little jester, a little bit in jest, but also like, 
you know, that just happened last night. I'm not ready to fully be like, okay, let's just move on. But um, I don't know. Part of me is kind of in the, this whole playoff run was kind of like a found money type of situation for this team. Um, You know, this team that was three and five that we talked about on this very podcast is, well, maybe they're just not very good. Um, And, you know, they, if, if we start to, if you really start to dig into this playoff run, they, they never really found, figured it out offensively um, outside of maybe I think the first half against Dallas, I think you could probably make a case that they, the offense didn't really generate a whole lot um, outside of that. And were in fact, pretty poor um, in the second half against Dallas and most of the game against green Bay and, and uh, much of the game uh, against the Rams. And, you know, eventually that, where you, you kind of thought eventually that's going to come back to, to haunt them. And it, and it certainly did in the NFC championship game, you know, the defense arguably did enough in most cases to get the job done. I mean, they held three of the highest scoring teams in the NFL to, to relatively to well under their, their, their scoring averages and in, in all three cases, but the offense just didn't have it. And um, I think ultimately that's what this is going to come down to. And, I mean, it was a great run, and if they had made it to the Super Bowl, I think they'd have had a real chance, especially because Kansas City got knocked out, and it, it was Cincinnati. I think they would have had a real chance to win this, but uh, to end up winning the whole thing, and that would have just been the weirdest <laughs> cherry on top of this bizarre season. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a bummer, but I think by and large for me, I'm just like, I never really expected them to be here. You know, like two months ago I had – no inclination that they were going to be one of the last four teams in the NFL uh, left. And so the fact that they were there was, was, was pretty good. And while, and we'll, we'll talk about this. I'm sure they, they went out in not their finest fashion uh, <laughs> last night as we're recording this on a Monday evening, but it's, it was still cool that they got there. I think is kind of where I'm at at this point. Chris is spot on on everything. I mean, so you're looking at the offense kind of going away during the playoffs. 49ers averaged 17.7 points in each of those games over that three-game stretch. Um, we're going to get into reasons why. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about some of the issues, and that's, and that's fine. And, and there's going to be uh, a number of changes heading into 2022. One big change, of course, that we're going to get into under center quarterback. But kind of going back to the whole 20,000-foot perspective, right? They, like, again, yeah, the 49ers were three and five dead in the water, struggling, you were looking at the playoffs being a pipe dream, right? And it's just like, hey, yeah, I'm like, well, they're not out of it, but I should have looked this up. I should have researched it a bit more. But how many, uh, how many teams that have gone through a, a four-game losing streak wind up in a conference championship game? <laughs> it can't I can't imagine dramatic. it's a big – yeah, I can't imagine it's a really, really big uh, list right there. But even going further back, you know, looking at a number of the reasonable projections for this team, I know I argued this, I know you talked about it, heading into 2021, most thought the Niners would be a, a, a playoff contender, right? Like they, they, they contend over a playoff spot, maybe, probably, you'll probably get in, but that'd be that. And a Super Bowl was, was out of the question. They weren't talented enough, not deep enough, didn't have 
the right quarterback to match up with an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or even a Matt Stafford or a Russell Wilson, if, if those two teams, you know, whatever, pick a playoff scenario in the NFC and, and run with that, you know, especially in an NFC championship game. And this isn't just, you know, me throwing out, oh, yeah, I think everybody believe this. I was looking at this today. Uh, fan-sided NFL insider Matt Berteram, uh, he predicted, and he does this every year, uh, the every game on the schedule when the schedule comes out. He makes every prediction and predicts, you know, who goes to the Super Bowl and everything like that. And, and you know, Matt's pretty Chiefs-centric, I'll say, <laughs> almost maybe to the point of being somewhat annoying. Just kidding. Matt, you're great. I love you. You're You're fantastic. Although you're a Chiefs fan, and so you're probably in the same boat as yeah, exactly. He's on the other side of it now. But anyway, that that loss for Kansas City was more painful for for the Niners. Whatever. So anyway, Matt had yeah, Matt had the 49ers going uh, ten and seven on the season, and guess what? That was right. But his prediction was they would lose in the wild card round, I think, to the Buccaneers. Hmm. So obviously that match didn't happen, but. You know, even going into the regular season, you were looking at a team that was going to compete for a wild card spot. The NFC West, everybody was going to maul each other. And I still think it's ironic that the 49ers' only two wins in the division came against the Rams. Wow, it all comes for a full circle. But nevertheless, kind of you know, mentioning that, that, that point you pointed out earlier about this all kind of being house money after the wild card round. And then the 49ers going into Green Bay in the divisional round and and actually knocking off the Packers, the number one seed. That was absolutely insane. And yeah, that, that was kind of the moment for me where I'm like, I, it doesn't really matter what happens from this point onward. The 49ers have, uh, have capitalized on the season. It's a success. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, I think, given all that was going or swirling around this team, um, we'll get into the 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 big thing um, that I'm sure everybody knows. We're going to talk about at some point um, here in just a minute. But it, to to be there and and to honestly, as kind of poorly as they played through the first half and first three quarters the fact that they were still like 15 minutes away from the super bowl again is is just kind of wild um you know they they certainly out outperformed expectations in a lot of ways um and you know in this game i think there's a case to be made that they underperformed uh what they were capable of i mean one thing that that i look at almost immediately is the running game which was just absolutely abysmal <laughs> against the Rams who, you know, that was the calling card of this, of this team. And the, the, the Niners never got anything going. They only carried the ball 20 times, 50 yards, two and a half yards per carry. Uh, Elijah Mitchell just had a, a, a horrible day, 11 carries, 20 yards, and he had nine on one, uh, one carry. So he had, you know, basically 10 carries for 11 yards on his other carries. It was just not, not a good day for the run game and the passing game never really got going either. And um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, there, there's a lot to be said about this, um, about this game, but ultimately, like you said, I, I I'm just, it, <laughs> I, it's hard not to look at it this and go, yeah, I mean, this was a success um, from, from Kyle Shanahan's perspective to be able to turn this team around from three and five and to be as, as, 
basically counted out as they were um, both here and in a lot of other places that I, that I saw them being counted out. You know, they actually showed that on the broadcast last night, this whole, like, you know, local newspapers and, and media outlets saying, you know, is it time to, to just, you know, cut bait on, on the season and just, just be like, all right, it's, it's Trey Lance time. And just, let's just right and get, let's just go. And to, to Shanahan's credit, he never, he never wavered on that. And, you know, we could, we could certainly have a long debate about whether or not that was the right thing to do and whether or not, you know, would the, the rookie have, have, have come out in the wash about the same way. I don't know. Um, but that's neither here nor there at this point. Cause uh, the, the season is over, but um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it for as much as, as the, uh, as much as this season sort of gave me heart palpitations and, you know, raised the blood pressure. Uh, I think it was, it ended up being a fun season and an unexpected fun season. Um, you know, uh, 2019 was fun in that no one saw that coming. Uh, this was fun in that we were really excited for a good season. And then we were very quickly sort of like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe this team's not as good as we thought they were. And then it, to, to get to this point, all, all good, I think. All good. Well, if we're being honest, 31 teams on a year-to-year basis are going to end in disappointment. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, There's still one more left. Still one left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one more team that's going to literally be like, I can't believe this just happened. One more fan base is going to be like, this sucks. <laughs> uh, and, you know, to be in the final four of – anything i guess <laughs> it's a four play four four team league right <laughs> if you're in the final yeah, or three league. or a three team league yeah, yeah there you go there you go uh that, that would be my team if i was if i was playing <laughs> on myself i'd finish fourth place in a three team league Ouch. um but anyway i mean to be in the final four uh that's an accomplishment I, and and i know that you're not going to be telling the players that you're not going to be convincing a sizable portion of the fan base that Hey, it's okay. You know, this is a game the 49ers could have won, but just getting here was still pretty remarkable. It certainly doesn't absolve the criticism that has to go around. You yeah. know? And, and there is, there, there is legit criticism and it points in a number of different directions, but you know, and we'll get into that. <laughs> I don't want to put that down. Yeah. But yeah, but as far again, as far as the fact that, you know, we're looking at a, a, another season in the books, this season probably more so than any that I can recall covering was filled with so many more ups and downs and roller coaster rides and highs and lows. Uh, you know, 2019 was a juggernaut. That was yeah. like a steamroller, right? And then of course 2020, it was just like, oh, who's hurt now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, we get to see what, who, what do you mean? Who's River Craycraft? What, that's a fun name. <laughs> it's just, it's just the weird oddity parts of these seasons. But this one was so up and down. Um, I'm happy that's over in a regard. But nevertheless, I do think uh, in light of what you were mentioning, that 49er fans were expecting a good season. And like a good movie, it started off with a lot of conflict and, uh, and maybe finished with a plot twist that you weren't necessarily expecting. It's necessarily expecting, good or bad. Yeah. Well, and uh, credit to River Craycraft for uh, sticking around basically up until like a week ago. So, you know, you turn that into a, a viable position. So anyway. Um, all right. Well, let's let's do it. Let's let's get into it. So uh, 
I don't even know how to really how to really start this conversation. It's it's hard to have a. I mean, is this a, is it is it appropriate to have a a, a one up one down sit in a uh, in in a in a game like this? I, I don't know, but or should we just? Oh, we've just, had a lot of downs. Yeah, let's just let's just do it. Let's just get into <laughs> let's just get into the because I, I think you know we we could talk about good things and bad things, but let, let's let's talk about where did where did the where did this game go wrong? Because the Niners were in a position like they were you know, not to, not to bring up this sore subject, like they were two years, two years ago in the, in the final game of the season where they walked into the, into the, uh, the fourth quarter up 10 points. Now that game felt massively different and then it actually felt like they were in control of that game. I don't know about you, but walking when the, the fourth quarter started and they were up 10, I was not like, Oh, we're, we're dominating this game. Like we're in control. There's no way the Rams are coming back. Um, which is, a little different from how I felt in the Super Bowl when they were up 10 points in the fourth quarter, when they were really felt like they were in control of that game. But let's talk about it. Like, where did, where did they go long? Where's, where's some, some blame that can be laid and we'll uh, just kind of walk through it in a couple of different places, just chat through and see how we, what we come up with. Well, I have a few more than just a couple of places. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally blunt. Uh, Look, there's going to be a number of fans who probably and, and somewhat rightfully point out Kowalski Tart's dropped interception. That was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, you feel for him. That's obviously something that's going to be in his head all off season. You hope it doesn't affect him. You hope that he, he, he bounces back from it wherever he plays as a free agent this off season. Uh, that was one thing, you know, but there are so many other things that stand out. Uh <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll lead off right from the top and say <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo was not good. I mean, that's you, know, you look at the stat lines and was it 16 of 30 for 230 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Um, of course, the interception was, I won't say it was meaningless, but it was at the end of the game when it was kind of like, yeah. Um, however, you look at what happened to him in the fourth quarter, and, and, and this was something I know uh, Kyle Madsen from USA Today's Niners Wire tweeted out. He said that uh, Jimmy G's final two drives – uh, one of six for minus three yards and a pick. Mm. So it, for those of you who are wondering why the 49ers want to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, those of you who are still trying to defend him, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say Garoppolo at his best is a good quarterback, but in these clutch situations in these key moments when the game's on the line and other things aren't working, and this kind of goes around and into what you're saying about the run game, not being totally effective, the defense getting more tired, uh, when you have an elite level quarterback, uh, that quarterback can elevate you over those things. Look at what Joe Burrow did against mm-hmm. the Chiefs, right? And and you know, look at what Josh Allen nearly did against the Chiefs the week before, and probably one of the best playoff games we've ever seen. Uh, if you have a you know, a top level, a top five, top ten quarterback, he can do those things for you. Jimmy Garoppolo is not in that category, and you saw that. And so, you know, even just a slightly better performance from Jimmy G, we might be having an entirely different conversation. And it really was the story of the entire uh, postseason with him. You know, yep. aside from the, that opening drive and, you know, a few moments here against Dallas. And, you know, there's I'm not saying it was all bad. There was plays that were, were good here and there. But the, the grand picture of the Jimmy G experience in the postseason this year isn't a good one. And you have to accept that. And that's, again, that's why the 49ers are moving on. 
Yeah. That's just one reason. That's just one reason. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the run game going down. I think the 49ers had just one first down by the way of the ground through the entire mm-hmm. game. So that was a reason. And of course, a run first team that Shanahan likes to call, uh, when that's not working out, just so many things begin to fall apart. And you saw that you don't have the quarterback who can overcome that. Um, look, it might have been smarter to double cover Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr., but they have two really good wide receivers. And and but why Cooper Cup was in one-on-one coverage so often against Kawan Williams? I have no idea, but whatever. Um, that was a reason. Um, there's a lot. The, the penalty disparity. I think the 49ers had like five penalties, only that, but for like 50 some odd yards, and all but one on that punt where they just kind of backed up five yards. All but one of them hurt. You know, the, the, the taunting on Diesel Shire and, and it didn't look bad, but, but maybe, but maybe he said something, right. Maybe he said something that was like, Whoa, yeah, you can't say that, bro. You know, like whatever it was, um, Jimmy Ward's late hit. I mean, that's 30 yards right there. Um, that was hurt, but I think if I'm going to call out anybody and I've got a piece that I, that I wrote about this over at Niner Noise, it'll come out soon. I'm going to call out Kyle Shanahan on this. Now, full disclaimer. I'm a, I'm a total Kyle Shanahan supporter, right? Like, like 100%, no doubt, he's the right guy for the job. Uh, for any 49er fan who's out there on hot take Cannon Island saying, like, ah, he needs to be fired. Like, okay, cool. Like, I think Jim Tomsula is still available. I'm yeah, sure Chip Kelly would welcome a return back from UCLA. Like, you know, I, 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 Mike Singletary is still around out there. I'm sure he's, he's open to it. Yikes. Look at some of these other teams that are going through coaching crap. Like, yeah, Kyle Shanahan is a good head coach. He's a really good head coach. That doesn't mean he's free from criticism. And I looked at some of these fourth quarter meltdowns and I dug up some, some numbers on this. So there's kind of three fourth quarter meltdowns that we all think about when we think of Kyle Shanahan, right? We just found one that happened Sunday. <laughs> so you go back, the Super Bowl between the Falcons and the Patriots. Um, Kyle Shanahan's the offensive coordinator there. Um, 28-3 lead. You all remember that game. Um, Patriots scored 19 uh, fourth quarter points that game. The Falcons scored zero. Let's go forward a few years to the Super Bowl between the 49ers and the Chiefs. Chiefs scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. 49ers scored zero. Now let's go back to Sunday. <laughs> uh, the Rams scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. The 49ers scored zero. Every Each one of those games, three games that were pinnacle games, uh, Kyle Shanahan's offenses scored zero points in the fourth quarter. That was kind of an eye-opener. And I was like, yeah. huh, okay. Those are some big leads that have gone away. And, you know, you can kind of point out some other issues here in the fourth quarter. That one, there was a drive, I think, with like 12 minutes left or something along those lines. 49ers were up by uh, 17 to 14. And uh, Elijah Mitchell had a nine-yard gain. It was second and one. And then a gut run up the middle with Mitchell again, lost a yard. Kyle Juszczyk on third down, you know, gut run, didn't gain it. So it's fourth and two, and Kyle Shanahan elected to punt from midfield. And that was kind of, like, to me, that was that was the decisive moment in the game. That was like the Schwerpunkt. That was the word I used on it. Like, okay, like, this is where you, you play to win, right? Uh, you go out there and, and you, you use that dagger blow and 
okay, maybe you can think Shanahan was banking on his defense getting a stop there and they allowed a field goal. So I guess kind of sort of he did the right thing. But the thing that was kind of mind boggling to me is that whole series after getting to second and one, no touches for Debo Samuel. And uh, it's like, well, your best weapons right there, you know, short yard situation. Why, why wouldn't you at least fathom the idea of, of trying to use Debo as a, as your first down weapon in a key situation of the game. And uh, that kind of lack of aggression, that kind of lack of a killer instinct in the fourth quarter is something that I think Shanahan has, has lacked uh, for much of his offensive tenure, you know, in these big games. Um, you know, I, again, I'm a total fan of Kyle Shanahan. I, I'm fully on board with him, but not going anywhere. <laughs> like I'm, I, yeah, I criticized him in the past though, criticizing him again. And then in tandem with what I mentioned about Jimmy Garoppolo, he doesn't have a quarterback at his disposal who can elevate the offense in a way so that his own play calling shortcomings or mistakes or whatever are covered up, right? Like, like if you and I had, we were head coaches and Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes were out on the field, <laughs> like I think we call the dumbest play in the world. It'd be easy to coach those guys. Granted, I'm not saying that you and I are qualified to do that anyway. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Know a billion more about things about the NFL than we ever could. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, if you have a good quarterback, it covers up a lot of bad coaching. Just ask uh, Aaron Rodgers with Mike McCarthy. Anyway, um, that's the sort of thing that can happen. So right. Shanahan doesn't have that. His bread and butter of the run game wasn't working. And Jimmy Garoppolo was not uh, capable of elevating the offense when it, it needed to be elevated. And at least from an offensive, offensive vantage point. That's why the 49ers lost. So those are just kind of my abbreviated downs. I'm happy that's, I don't have to that's keep it. on about this. That's oh, yeah. all? I, I can keep it. going. I can keep going, but I'll, uh, I'll pump the brakes <laughs> for a while. Um, yeah, I should have been taking notes. I should have written all that down. Um, yeah, the uh, just kind of off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, anybody who's given Joukowsky Tart grief about like, and if anybody says that's why they lost, that's ridiculous. There were like 11 minutes left to go in the game. Um, and it was a basically, that would basically have been like a punt for the for the Rams from where he caught it unless he had been able to run a great distance with that. But frankly, as you noted, the way that the 49ers offense was playing, unless he had like, found a way to score. I, I don't know that that would have made that big of a difference. Like the Niners get the ball back and I don't know, what do they do with it? Go three and out and then we get nothing. I don't, I, I, yeah. Uh, So, you know, good credit to, to, to Zekowski got on, on social media after the game and, you know, said, Hey, I'm do whatever, whatever uh, I get about this, you know, he, and you could tell that he, it kind of messed him up for the rest of that series too. Um, it was definitely in his head, but you know, I, it, he is not the reason that they lost the game um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, I'm, I'm totally with you with the Garoppolo thing as well. Like, I mean, this is, as you said, the reason that they went to go get a player that can hopefully elevate the offense. Um, I mean, I think that comes that all these things are, are, in, are entangled together, you know, Shanahan's decisions that he makes on, on fourth down and, whether or not to go for it or not to go for it. I, I mean, we saw even in, in Lance's two starts, more aggression from Shanahan on, on those fourth and, and sort of short plays, you know, anything under th- three yards and under was, he was way more aggressive with, with Lance out there. And that was with barely having an opportunity to really game plan with him. You know, it was just sort of those last minute, like, okay, well, I guess Jimmy's not going to go. So Lance is going to go in both in, you know, both those cases. And, uh, 
I think that will be really interesting to see what happens there um, in that regard and whether or not he's going to have more trust in this quarterback that he handpicked than the one that was, you know, handed to him for, for, for lack of a better, better word. But um, I don't know the, the thing that stands out to me, and this is sort of an interesting, um, I, I think the, the big, the big moment is all that, you know, all that stuff that you, you talked about the penalties and, and the, the poor quarterback play in the, in the, at the end of the game. And, um, you know, I think there's an argument to be made, you know, Grappolo had a pretty decent first half, actually. Um, it was steady, not exciting, but he was, you know, making pretty, he was standing in there making throws, wasn't doing anything, uh, to, to put his team in, in harm's way. But I actually, I actually think that one of the, the most significant points in the game actually happened in that first quarter. Um, when he misses George Kittle, uh, overthrows George Kittle on a, on a play where Kittle was wide open in the middle of the field. And if he makes a good throw there, uh, there's a pretty good chance very, and this is very similar to, um, to last week, uh, against green Bay. Although the, the difference there was Kittle dropped the ball. Um, in this case, Garoppolo misses him and there's a pretty good chance that that Kittle has a chance to take that in for a score and they didn't end up scoring at all on that drive and who knows if I mean obviously they only lose by three points so a touchdown earlier in the game where you end up being up you know up 24 to to 17 or instead of instead of just 17 14 or 17 10 at that point you know late in the game that might have made all the difference so I don't know um I, I, you know, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think there are certainly um, levels of of blame here. Uh, I think the one the one minor quibble I think is that we could sort of take a little bit of of blame away from from Shanahan for the Falcons Super Bowl collapse. I think there are a lot of things that went into that <laughs> situation. You know, like Dan Quinn's defense giving up that many points now granted if if shanahan's offense had scored uh it might not have been that big of a deal but you you you, you got to hope that your defense is good enough to hold that big of a lead and in, in you know 25 points in that particular case but um it certainly is problematic because even if you take that game out and say okay well he was the offensive coordinator so he wasn't the total decision maker he he definitely is showing a, a, a lack of as you meant, as you said it, that killer instinct that, that like go for the, for the jugular and try to put this game out of reach time of situation. And it will be really interesting to see, um, as we transition into, into 2022 and what we all expect to be a, a change in, in quarterback situation, if that will change Garoppolo or change Shanahan's, uh, kind of way of thinking because in a lot of ways Matt Ryan is basically slightly souped up Jimmy Garoppolo if you think about it you know they're both kind of statues in the in the pocket not very mobile you know they can get around if they need to but they're not dual threats in any way shape or form and it'll be really interesting to see if a a new type of quarterback in in Shanahan's offense will make a difference uh heading into what we expect to be a big change for 2022. Yeah, and I, I I grapple with this because I think to myself and, and and probably too much even at times about how the 49ers are probably still trying to make up for the mistake of the 2017 draft um, mm. going with Solomon Thomas and patching up, passing on on Mahomes. Um, Andy Reid wasn't necessarily the best when it came to killer instinct and clock management in games, especially in big games. 
um, he wasn't particularly great at that. And uh, it took him the right quarterback to turn into all of a sudden, oh, it's best head coach ever. <laughs> you know, it, it, and I got to be careful with what I say here because fan side had started off as a chief site. So I can't, <laughs> yeah, you know, all my, all my bosses way at the top would be like, Peter, we listen to this. Right. We need to have a talk with you anyway. Um, but Andy Reed, it, it took him having the right quarterback and right. Shanahan uh, coaches evolve, you know, they, they're, they're going to be, they're going to have egos. You don't get it. You don't have, you don't get to where you are unless you have a massive ego. Um, but you can learn, you can evolve, you can change. Shanahan's gotten beat by these athlete type quarterbacks, plenty of them, you know, Kyler Murray, right? Josh Allen last year, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, um, you know, Russell Wilson multiple times, too many times, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, these athlete quarterbacks that can do more things for you, uh, which is, that's a sign of, of, of maturation and growth. Hey, the league is changing. You don't have to get away from your bread and butter run first offense that's fine but you need someone who can take your offense and and pick it up where things get tough now jimmy garoppolo can do that from time to time 2019 he did it a few times but that's not the expectation i mean you literally can just go with the gut test and we talked about this after week 18 where it was like I didn't think that was going to happen. Jimmy G leading them down the field with no timeouts and less than a minute remaining. And you got to tie the game. Like I didn't think that was going to happen, but you can look at so many of these other athlete type quarterbacks, you know, who are at the top of their game. And granted, you're talking about an elite minority of people. <laughs> like there's only about you know, 10 in the entire world who can do this. So it's not like they just grow on trees, but you know, you, you think about, Gosh, that's too much time for for Patrick Mahomes against the uh, against the Bengals, or that's too much time for Josh Allen the week before. It's like Aaron Rodgers has what? How many seconds in week three? But he'll do it. You know, like you don't, you never got that with Jimmy G this season. Now the hope is going to be, of course, can Trey Lance deliver that? And I sure hope so. I sure yeah. hope so. I think the 49ers are going to be doing everything they can to. Uh, to put him in the best situation to succeed. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that this off season. I'm not sure. <laughs> a little bit. It might come up. Um, I mean, the good news with, with that is that he's still a, he's still a, a young guy and he'll still be a, a rookie quarterback with, you know, four seasons of, of relatively cheap um, opportunities. So while the hope is eventually he'll get to the place where he is, like Mahomes where he can transcend whoever the the players are around him. The good news is, is at least for the next four seasons, well, at least the three, next three seasons. Cause I imagine if he pan, if he pans out within the next couple of years, I don't think he gets that fifth year option. I think he's going to be, it's going to be that situation where they're going to lock him up for as long as they can. Um, so they don't have to play with that thing and hope that thing hanging over their head, but he's going to have the benefit of them being able to have some cap room to, to, to spend some money on people around him because he's just not going to cost that much next year, especially relative to what they've been paying their quarterback over the last couple of seasons. So um, that'll be good news, but um, yeah, I mean, any, any final words on the, uh, on the, the NFC championship game before we just kind of wrap up the 2021 season and, have a couple of final thoughts about the, about the year and start looking forward into 2022. Well, I'm happy. I can keep my computer closed on, on Sundays now. <laughs> it's like, I don't have to write today. I don't have to pay attention to every single play. Yeah. Are we, are we not, are we not covering the pro bowl next week? 
I did that once. I did that <laughs> one time. It was literally kind of an ask, hey, Peter, do you want to do some live game correspondence on this? Anything that cool that happens? And I was like, sure, whatever. You know, I've got nothing else going on. Kind of cool. The only thing interesting of it, like literally the only thing was Russell Wilson uh, throwing a pass. And I don't know what it was, but he threw a pass to George Kittle. I'm like, alternate universe. This is <laughs> Russell Wilson completes a pass to George Kittle. After that, it was drudgery. I got I to gotta rehash this, and, and I'm totally going off on a side note here. Uh, I came up with ideas a number of years ago on how to, to improve the Pro Bowl. It was like five ideas to, to help the Pro Bowl get better. And of course, one of them was like, just get rid of it. <laughs> you know, The other was um, make it like a, a, a Madden tournament. So all the players had to play each other in Madden, and you get one winner. And then uh, I think another one was like, just turn it into a softball game. Uh, it's just AFC versus NFC softball game. And that's your pro bowl. Or, or another one was like, cool, here's the pro bowl, but you all have to play on the opposite side of. Nah. So if you're a wide receiver, now you are a cornerback. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> you know, good. Actually. I'd watch yeah. That. If you're a defensive end, now you're a tackle. Ooh. <laughs> like I, yeah, and, and make it super like whatever. But anyway, total side note, just went off that, that tangent right there. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to get my Sundays back. Um, just to watch games as a fan. I always mention that like, a lot of times when I'm working on Sundays covering the game, it's like I'm working, you know, a cool play happens. It's like, all right, I got to write, I got to write something down. You know, yeah. know what happened there? What was the coverage? Who beat who? You know, all that sort of thing. Um, a successful season for the 49ers. Looking forward to the off season. Obviously it's going to be a real big paradigm shift. And, uh, and, it, but you know, the young core is there. I think some of the real cool storylines that popped up from this season beyond, you know, going being three and five and everything and, and bouncing back, making it to the NFC championship game. Think about the other storylines. I mean, Debo Samuel, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a nationwide star now. He's not just someone that 49er fans knows really good. The entire league knows uh, yep. that's a household name. Trent Williams, first time, finally first team all pro great for him. He makes it deep into the postseason for the first time in his uh, hall of fame career really yeah um you know brandon iu turns it around looks really good juan jennings you know guy who was cut you know had to stay on the practice squad a year ago he yeah that was cool to see him elijah mitchell setting a franchise record for uh rush yards by a rookie like that was awesome you know it arden key Mm. uh 6.5 sacks i mean that guy was literally if he had failed to make the 53-man roster he's probably out of the league right now or just wallowing on some practice squad going this sucks um, instead, he's going to get a nice payday this offseason. You know, even even Ambry Thomas, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, had kind of a rough game against the Rams, but like we literally watched him second half of the season every week just get a little better. Mm-hmm. That was neat. So there's so many of these little storylines that I look back on and say, hey, that was cool. And overall, I think just for the first time in what seems like forever, the Seahawks didn't make it to the playoffs. So 49ers <laughs> did, Seahawks didn't. So. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, all, all good things there. I mean, you know, Nick Bosa coming back and being healthy and being a beast and being a, you know, probably somebody who, I, I mean, looking like if, if, if the, you know, referees can f- ever figure out how to, how to, how to control the, the holding situation uh, might be, uh, I, I think he's going to be in a position, especially if they continue to build around him. He he's going to sniff out that that snack that NFL sack single season sack record at some point. 
Um, he just looks like he's the real deal. And he was, he just came back all ready to go. And then I think I read something today. He's like, I'm going to come back next year, the best shape of my life. I'm like, seriously, you're not already like what? Okay. Whatever, dude. Um, but, uh, you know, he's going to be due for a contract, uh, here, not this off season, but next, um, uh, Debo Samuel is going to be up for a, a contract this, this off season. And is definitely going to be in a situation where he's going to stand to make a lot of money. Um, and his versatility is going to be great for him. And like you said, the fact that he is a, an all pro pro bowler, um, you know, household name kind of guy. Um, and one of those, and, and really cool, one of those really cool things where his, his situation is so, um, unique that he's like, there are very few like first name only, you know, NFL players. And he is literally like a first name only NFL player. Like he's just Debo. Like that's just who he is. Like everybody else needs the rest of their name. And I think that's really cool. Um, and, and, you know, we gave Jimmy Garoppolo grief about his, his playoff uh, run, which was, you know, it, it wasn't great. Um, and he struggled and, and honestly he had his, his best game, statistically was against the Rams, which should tell you everything you need to know about the the playoff run, but um, big props. And I know a lot of people have been saying this about the way that he handled this situation. You watch the team draft his replacement and and everything. uh, Most other, uh, other normal human beings would have turned that into a a nasty situation, but um, apparently he's just been the consummate pro throughout the season I think Trey Lance said, you know, said something uh, in their exit interview or the, the, as they were leaving Los Angeles last night, like, you know, that he's going to be one of my best friends forever. Like he legitimately had, uh, they have a good relationship and, you know, Jimmy never faulted. It wasn't Trey's fault that he got drafted and he's, you know, whatever happens with him, you know, he, he has been, he has proven himself to be, maybe he is a, a reasonably good starting quarterback um, in this league, but he's, he's a limited one, but he, you know, to his credit was out there and, and did what was asked of him for the most part this year. But, um, so credit to him for, for handling that, like a a professional. And I, I don't know if somebody, (laughs) if I was at work and somebody walked in, you know, my boss walked in and was like, uh, Robert, here's, we, we've found this person who's going to replace you, but you're going to have to work right next to them for the next year. Uh, and then they're going to take your job next year. That'd be awkward. And I would probably make it awkward. And I don't think I would be very good in that situation. So credit to him for that. Um, but, uh, so a couple questions for you as we sort of wrap this up for, uh, for the, uh, the 2021 season. Um, let's, let's start with Garoppolo. If you had to guess what what do you think's the the most likely landing spot for for Garoppolo this offseason? Um and I'm a, I look all this conversation about like well they'll they'll just cut him. I I I don't think it's going to get that far. I think there's going to be enough teams that need a quarterback that he, he's getting traded one way or the other, so it's just going to be interesting to see where he goes and I think they're going to do right by him in the long run, but what do you think? What's the the best or what, what do you think, what would be your prediction as far as where he might end up this offseason? The only way the 49ers cut Jimmy Garoppolo is if he asks, asks to be cut. Right. And there's reasons for that. You know, he, he literally could be like, hey, I want to go pick my destination. I want to go see what my offers out there are in terms of, of payment as opposed to draft compensation back to the 49ers. Um, but removing that equation, there's no way the 49ers just straight up cut him. Right. There isn't just going to be one or two teams out there. There are a lot 
of quarterback needy teams this offseason. And I mean, take your pick, right? And the Denver Broncos, they need to keep up with Justin Herbert and Mahomes and the AFC West. Like they need somebody. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers wants to go there, but if so, like, okay. You know, what happens with Russell Wilson? You know, maybe Seattle winds up, you know, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about trade destinations, but just start listing off the teams. Washington right. needs a, needs a quarterback. Uh, three quarters of the NFC South probably needs a quarterback. The Saints do. Um, mm-hmm. The Buccaneers might, depending on what happens with Tom Brady. Um, the Panthers don't have a quarterback. Uh, you know, what happens with, do the Browns want to move on from Baker Mayfield? Is he the long-term answer? doesn't really look that way. The Texans are in rebuild mode. Uh, you've got situations where, oh gosh, I'm, I'm trying to just name off other, <laughs> Other other possibilities depending on the quarterback carousel. What happens in Miami? Is Tua Tagovailoa going to be the guy? Like, okay, Dolphins got hot down the stretch, but all of a sudden you get a new head coach in there now who's potentially going to be Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, yeah, yeah. By the way. I was going to say, yeah, looking to be a favorite for that job. So, but uh, what happens with with the New York Giants? Like, it seems that that they're going to be you know, committing to uh, to um, to Danny Dimes for one more year. I don't know if that's the right idea, but whatever. Uh, there's going to be plenty of teams looking for quarterbacks. The yeah. market for off-season quarterbacks is bad. The free agent class sucks. Mm-hmm. The NFL draft sucks. A buddy mm-hmm. of mine, who's a, he's a scout for the ACC. Uh, he tells me he doesn't think there's any quarterback going projected to go in round one who'd be capable of being a starter in this league, that they're all backup caliber quarterbacks, nothing more than that. Uh, so the only way you're going to get somebody is to make a trade. Right. I mean, legitimately the only way. And of course, right. yeah, you have your Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, if that whole legal situation gets squared away or whatever, uh, those are going to be the only guys who are really available, you know, and there are plenty of teams who are in a situation to want to win now. And so that's kind of one of the reasons that I'm looking around and just thinking, okay, well, who could do it? You know, a number of teams make sense. I think if there was one that I would say makes sense the most, uh, I would probably say the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason why is just because it's a well-run organization that doesn't have a lot of tumult. Now I could argue the Broncos might be a fit. Um, maybe the Colts, the Colts, I don't know how sold they are after, um, after they were talking about Carson Wentz at the end of the season, but you know, maybe the Broncos, there's an argument there, but you know, new head coach, new coordinator, they got some weapons, but I don't know if I was Jimmy Garoppolo, I would say, look, the Steelers, they always draft well, especially wide receivers. You know, they're always going to have weapons there. It's going to be a run-first offense with Najee Harris. That offensive line sucks, but the, the Steelers could literally just say, hey, we're spending all of our draft capital and, and money on upgrading the offensive line and getting some linebackers who can stop the run, and the Steelers would be fine. Uh, that's a team that is, has high expectations now that Ben Roethlisberger's gone. There's still a lot of key playmakers there, like P.J. Watt. And you, you don't want to waste their prime years. So why not do that? You know, So it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers are in play. That would be kind of my, my, my number one projected destination. I guess you could put in Washington. Uh, that, that's certainly there as well, especially – considering the NFC East is still kind of a joke of a division. Um, you know, both those teams have plenty enough salary cap to make it work. Uh, but I think for my money and just kind of 
the 49ers probably wanted to do right by Garoppolo and not send you to the Texans. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) thanks. Thanks for all your hard work, Jim. Now go. Yeah. Languish. You remember Nick Casario? You guys knew each other from New England. You guys are buddies. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I think it's going to, to be it's going to be a situation where yeah he'll 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 want it he'll be happy with going to the to the Steelers that that's my guess yeah um yeah I mean I think I I think I agree with you on that um technically he had a no trade clause up until the end of this uh this season so once the new calendar once the new nfl calendar year kicks off um into 2022 officially for the nfl as far as the nfl is concerned that no trade clause will go away but like i said given how how good he's been in in, just in terms of being a person and and a teammate and all that kind of stuff um for this this year I, I i can't see them being like hey you know buddy go you're gonna go to houston or you're gonna go to carolina or someplace where where it's gonna be hard um and they don't have the infrastructure around around you and if if there's one thing we as 49er fans know uh now it's that the infrastructure is important with a player like garoppolo like he needs the pieces around him and i think there are some similarities between the 49ers teams of the last couple of years and that, and those Steelers teams. Um, and he would, I, th- I think he would be an upgrade over uh, the version of Ben Roethlisberger that they've gotten over the last couple of years. I, I think he's a better player than Mason Rudolph. Uh, um, consequently, uh, Mason Rudolph went to high school in the, the city that I live in right now. So that's just a fun fact. Um, and I, do they have they have somebody else there? Is Dwayne Haskins also in in Pittsburgh, as well? Um, I think that's right. Uh, and yeah, he's he's clearly not any good. So, I mean, you're gonna probably keep one of those guys as backup. But if that's a a, a situation where, um, where that would be a good situation for him to go into immediately, could help them. Uh, be uh, contenders in that division at least, which is a, a good division. Um, obviously, with the the Bengals going to the Super Bowl this year and the Ravens, uh, they had a rough year, but they're probably going to be back in the conversation uh, next next year. And but other than that, you're going to send them. You're not going to send them somewhere like Houston or or Carolina unless they just blow you away with 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 compensation. So. Um, they, I, I jokingly said when the, the rumors first started floating that, that Brady was actually retiring, I, I said something in our Niner Noise Slack. I was like, maybe Garoppolo can actually end up succeed, succeeding Brady after all. But um, there's no way in the world that Bruce Arians would want Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, no offense to Jimmy Garoppolo, but that is just not the type of quarterback that he would jive with. Uh, he his his arm strength would, would not work for, uh, for Bruce Arians offense to kind of get the ball down the field. So they'd have to rethink that. I just, I just don't think that would work out very well. So, um, all right. One last question. So we're thinking about 2020, 2022, the 2022 season, we talked about Garoppolo, but I want to get your thoughts. One, one other thing that you expect or that you would like to predict for the 2022 off season, not for the season. That's we're getting too far ahead of ourselves there, but just something you think that the 49ers will do this off season. That's not quarterback related. Cause obviously we know what the move is going to be there. Um, but just give me one thing you think might happen uh, for the 49ers off season. See if it comes true later on. 
I think they will definitely retain uh, defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan. <laughs> well, that's not saying all. he pulled himself. I don't know if you saw this, but he he has decided he's not going to he's not going to pursue the Vikings job. So, so my prediction uh, was right. So there you go. Already done. Run. Look at you. Exactly. You're already you're so good. There you um, go. Yeah, no, no, I already saw it. I, I cheated on that one. I read it in the final chapter. Nice, nice. Uh, you know, so here's going to be my scoop. Um, the 49ers in 2022, at least roster-wise, heading into the offseason, uh, it's going to look almost identical with the exception of a new cornerback in the secondary free agent pickup uh, and you're going to see a new offensive guard. So those are going to be my off season predictions. How that happens. I have no idea. You want to go free agency. You want to go to the draft. I don't care. Um, Those are going to be my predictions, but as far as the team, really, I I do. I wouldn't be surprised if Jaquaski Tarts resigned. Really wanted Talanoa Funga to wind up in that role. I just coverage wise didn't do it for me this year. Um, I think he stays on another year. Um, Part does. I think that Kawan Williams probably stays on a, another cheap deal. I, I'm not saying those are necessarily the right moves, but I think really the only differences you see are going to be maybe another cornerback or two um, and probably an offensive guard. And, and hopefully Lake and Tomlinson's re-signed. Hopefully you wind up figuring out what you're going to do at right guard and Daniel Brunskill is a kind of a backup again. Maybe it's Aaron Banks. I still have hope for him, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the only major change, of course, is Jimmy G to Trey Lance. But I think those are only going to be your massive roster changes. I think yeah. if you saw if the team can stay healthy, that combination on both sides of the ball works. Don't mess with it if it's working, right? Yeah. You, you need upgrades on your right side of your offensive line. Sure, some extra pass rushers are always great. Fine. Um, but yeah, I think that that those are going to be the only massive changes. And, uh, 25.5 million freed up. If Jimmy G's let go, traded, whatever, that's money enough to make it done. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I, I think my only caveat there is that I would hope that they would try to figure out ways to get a few more long-term deals done with some of these guys. Not everybody, not necessarily let's bring Jaquaski tart back for three more years or something like that but a guy like dj jones would be nice to to lock up he would not be super expensive as a part-time interior defensive lineman but it'd be nice to have him kind of locked in for for the next couple of years so i could see them doing some some smaller long-term deals like that and then you know maybe bringing back guys like tart and and uh k1 williams and and those types of players but with the understanding that hope that there's a guy like Tal- Talano Hufanga and hopefully Diamador Lenore that might be able to step into those roles super- sooner rather than later. The one thing that I, and I don't know, if this is so much prediction so much as hope, but I don't know. I, I think it would be really nice if they would, if, if they're going to splash in one area um, uh, from a free agency point of view, I, I'd like to see them get somebody as a cornerback that they can really depend on um, opposite n- name, your, your player, Ambry Thomas, uh, Emmanuel Mosley, whatever that might be. Um, it could be an older veteran. I, I saw, you know, JC Jackson's name kind of tossed around as the Niners being a potential fit for him. Um, 
but that kind of, I, I don't know if they're going to, if that's the kind of, I mean, obviously they have a lot of their own players to take care of, but, and so I don't expect them to be super active in the, in the, in the free agency market, but it would be nice for them to sort of lock down at least one side of the, of the, of the, of the cornerback situation, you know, a la the way that they did with, with having Richard Sherman for, for that time when he was there, you just, you have felt pretty good about him on that side and then hope that they can sort of piecemeal together the other, the other side of it. And, you know, Amber Thomas is coming along and, Emmanuel mostly is a, a solid player, if not spectacular. And I think those are the types of players that you can use if you're able to, to spend a little money on a, on a cornerback on the opposite side. So I mean, I think that would be one thing that I would, I would like to see them, them do. Um, and then obviously hoping for, you know, like an Aaron Banks to, to, to come to get it together and figure it out to re-sign players like Lincoln Tomlinson to really shore up that offensive line. Um, we'll see what happens with Alex Mack. He is a supposedly, like he, he said, he apparently he's done this for the last, you know, seven, eight years where he gets the end of the season, sort of weighs his options. Um, hopefully he's, he's got one more, one more year. You'd like to see him kind of stick around and maybe they could draft uh, uh, his replacement uh, for next year and see if he can stick around. But um, I, I'm with you by and large. I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but there are areas that they can fix it, but just upgrading, hopefully at quarterback or, or just making a few little, little tweaks here and there. I think if they can figure out a way to keep this roster together as much as possible, that would, they got laughed at a little bit in the off season for doing that after this was a six and 10 team last year, but it ended up working out in ways that I think that people don't understand. And I, I think by and large, the reason they were able to overcome a lot of the adversity that they ran up against was because they did that. And these were guys that knew each other and they felt comfortable with each other and that'll be important. So, um, Peter, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Everything you just said is 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 going to be contingent on one thing. Everything I said is going to be contingent on one thing, and that's going to be the success of Trey Lance. Correct. That's that, that's it. You know, it, it, the 49ers are good enough to win some games if Trey Lance is, I won't say awful, but not very good. Uh, if <clears throat> Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers would be thrilled if he shows up and plays in 2022 half as well as Justin Herbert did his rookie season uh, remotely close to as well as, as Joe Burrow um, did this season. If, if Trey Lance can do that, the 49ers are going to be very good. Uh, if Trey Lance can't do that, then look out. And that's going to be the part that really does stink because if we're being honest here, look, we found it out this year, 17 game season is a long there are ebbs and flows like nothing else. Every week is so important. 49ers go on even a two-game losing streak. It's the end of the world. Blow up everybody. Fire everyone. That's how, that's how it is. It's just always that way. We all we understand that. The roster will be fine. Uh, they can make up for Trey Lance if he doesn't play well, uh, but not to the level of getting to the postseason. And Trey Lance can be the type of person who can overcome those deficiencies if he winds up playing remotely as well as those other guys I mentioned, that's the crux of it. And of course, you're going to be getting into the rest of the season or the off season rather. And that's going to be the focal point. Obviously it's hey, how much can Jimmy Garoppolo net in the trade back? Yes, that's important too. Maybe the 49ers say, Hey, we're going to splash. We're not going to go after a bunch of depth. We're going to go out there and try to spend money on a marquee free agent or two. We're going to try to find 
you know, the, the two or three impact players in the draft that we can grab, not try to shotgun it with a bunch of different bodies. I don't know what the approach is going to be. Uh, it's fascinating to think about, but ultimately everything from this point onward is going to focus on the success or failure of Trey Lance and wherever that falls in between. Absolutely. Um, well, that is uh, as, as uh, poignant uh, a way to end, I think, as, as we can. So um, this will be uh, the final podcast for a, a little while, probably take a little break as uh, at least over the next couple of weeks, as we move into the Super Bowl that the Niners are unfortunately not participating in. Um, we'll be back uh, throughout the course of the off season as we try to consider what, what the podcast will look like going forward. Um, I think that's, that's a really good, good thing to, to be thinking about. And we'll, we'll come, come at you throughout the off season to talk about free agency and the draft and, and that sort of thing. And uh, look forward to that. But uh, until then we want to thank you as always for listening to this episode of the Niner noise podcast, part of the fan sided podcast network. Uh, please continue to check out ninernoise.com uh, throughout the off season and throughout the uh the run into the super bowl for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen uh if you uh, leave us a review and include a question we'll give you a shout out on the podcast and answer that question and of course please share the podcast with all your fellow 49er fan friends so until next time let's sound the horn 49ers Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.